And ladies and gentlemen, boy, did your Buffalo Bills. This is odd. This is weird. This is strange. Something to get used to. But is that some R-E-S-P-E-C-T that the National Football League is showing? Your Buffalo Bills? How about that? The schedule came out. Lots to dive in on what the NFL sees as its most important matchups. They actually gave Monday Night Football a good slate. Who's in prime time? Who's not? And, of course, your team's going 16-0. Now that we know how the schedule plays out. What were some of the more interesting things about that? We will discuss that not only with Ryan, but throughout the program. Speaking of football, now Stephen Bailey gave us a hint about this the other day, has since written about it, and we know more. You kind of get a sense, even in this weird recruiting era that we live in now, who the next big quarterback target for Syracuse football is going to be. I think there's a couple interesting things to discuss there, including a quarterback he reminds me of. And I know you play the kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon game here, but this kid reminds me of a quarterback who is going to be prominently in the discussion in the 2021 NFL draft. The quarterback, by the way, who put up monster numbers last year and didn't throw an interception. I'm not saying this kid is that kid, but when you watch him side by side, the comparisons, the boxes they check, the style of play, it's interesting how they match. There is sports this weekend. Now, I am not a huge UFC guy. I've always made that clear on the air. I have nothing against it. I, I'm, I'm not one of these people who say, oh, yes, that's brutal sport. You can't watch it. It's just not my thing. I just don't watch it out of a sense of, you know, I, I don't want to pay for the pay-per-views. It's not my thing, but I understand why it's popular. Certainly the betting world is excited to have something legit to bet on, all the casinos and local spots and the fan duels of the world and things of that nature. I'm certainly very excited to have some legit things to wager on again. But from people that really know this stuff in the UFC world, this is one of the most stacked cards they've had in a while. And Dana White is going to take one of those first steps out there in a sport, obviously close contact and would seem to, you know, can't socially distance in UFC, right? He's taken that step forward to prove that you can do this safely, albeit without fans and some precautions in place. So it'll be not only fascinating to see how this card turns out by the big names that are on it, but by everything we're kind of waiting to see come back in the sports world. So we will get into that. Some other things happening this week on our top six list, the top six NFL games we're looking forward to now that the schedule is out. A lot to get into on this Friday. would love to hear from you on all of it in our Burdick BMW opening drive. Now, we are going to talk about other teams, okay, as I sit here wearing a Buffalo Bills T-shirt and a Buffalo Bills pullover. I want to talk about the entire schedule. I want to look at the NFL as a whole. I want to get some good, meaty football talk in here. But look, if I was doing this show in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, if I was doing this show in Seattle, Washington, any other locale on the planet, the Bills, to me, would be interesting. The Bills make me wanna Because usually what Bills fans are doing when the schedule comes out is they are griping. They're saying, all right, darn league, once again looking over at a great Bills mafia. No primetime games for us. Oh, look, we got one 4 o'clock game. Come on, come on. Uh, that's not the case this year. If anything, the NFL has pushed their chips into the middle of the table. When it comes to the Buffalo Bills being a draw, the Buffalo Bills being put in prime time, and the Buffalo Bills being an interesting team and a team they believe they can contend 
doesn't always work out this way, best laid plans and all, but when the NFL makes its schedule, particularly with primetime games. Now, the only entity out there where it's pretty much everyone gets a trophy, if you will, is the NFL Network. The NFL Network has its run of Thursday night games, which they share with Fox, right? But everybody gets a Thursday night game. Everybody gets a turn in primetime in that sense. But when it comes to Sunday night football, the most watched show on television, when it comes to Monday night football, which certainly has its flaws, Tessitore. Still a prime property for ESPN, which they pay $2 billion a year for, so they want good games on, and, and they're still trying to make work. And there's a reason they came this close to trying to get Peyton Manning to come into it, and there's still a belief that Monday Night Football, even though the National Football League just airs pretty much every day of the week, it seems, including on this schedule, we learned they're going to play on Christmas Day this year, which is a Friday. They're moving in on the NBA's territory there, but they still want to make Monday Night Football a big deal. So in those games, you got to be careful about who you schedule in those spots because there's only so many times you can put the Dallas Cowboys on, guaranteed ratings. There's only so many times you can put the Green Bay Packers on. And those brand-name, big-name, automatic draw, particularly the, the, the polarizing teams, the love-em-or-hate-em teams. Now, it's interesting that New England still got five primetime spots, even without Tom Brady, because there's still a draw. There'll still be a curiosity there. And if Belichick pulls another rabbit out of his hat and they're good, people still want to watch them. And it's a major television market. Now, the NFL markets don't matter, right, as much as other sports because it's football and people watch football. They watch the eight one o'clock window games. They watch the game of the week at 4.20-ish every Sunday. Certainly Sunday night football. I just told you, it's the most watched show on television. Not the most watched sports show on television. It's the most watched show on television. To put the Bills on in four of those spots, boy, you hope the NFL's right as a Bills fan. You hope that they feel this is a team. And look, what this feels like, too, in terms of not only the NFL respects what the Bills can do, that they were a playoff team, that they are a draw. The most-watched regular season game last year was the Bills-Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and I understand the Cowboys had something to do with that, but, I mean, the Bills kicked their ass that day. A little flex on their part. And I know the Bills lost to the Texans in the playoffs the way that they did, and it's just kind of part of the process of this team taking the next step, but they look at a team that's ready to contend a wide-open AFC East, and here's where where this is going to make this very interesting. Not only are they getting respect from the league, there's expectations with this team. There's no more excuses. There's no more, well, they're building up, they're this player away, they're one more draft away. No, this is it, man. They've got their franchise quarterback. They've got a great running game. They've got the receivers they feel round out this offense, particularly with the trade for Stephon Diggs. They still have one of the best defenses in football. This is a no-excuses-this-is-your-time type of season. Now, a lot of these primetime games are backloaded. Two of their Monday night games are in December. Their Sunday night game is scheduled against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo on, I believe, December 15th. That's a flex game. If the Bills or the Steelers don't live up to what they're supposed to be in another game, that week emerges as something more interesting. NBC will boot you out and put the game that's going to get higher ratings in there. But this is a real show of faith in what the league thinks the Bills will be 
by all angles. Now, it doesn't hurt that in some of these primetime games, they're playing the two teams that participated in the Super Bowl last year. A Thursday night game against Kansas City early on. A Thursday night game where if their offensive line's not there and, and some adjustments that Kansas City's got to make here, the Bills could, could snipe them in that game. Doesn't matter when you beat Kansas City. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They got Patty Mahomes. That's a win over Kansas City no matter what. They have to go to San Francisco. They have to go to the West Coast four times total, which will be interesting in a pretty short window. So the schedule can be your friend, but there's always going to be parts of the schedule that make you say, that's the challenge, right? That's the, And we'll go over this more with Ryan, with Ryan Talbot later in the show. But it's a no-excuses season where you're actually getting respect and, you're, and you've got expectations out of the shoot. So you'll have to pardon us Bills fans if we're like, hey, what's that like? <laughs> I haven't felt this one in a while. It's nice, though, to get used to. Is there a class? Do we meet on Tuesdays on Zoom? Let me know. Let me know what it's like to have expectations. Expectations. That's I'll have to learn that word. Some other things uh, that are very notable from the schedule. We all knew that Tampa Bay was going to be on television more. That timed out very well for the NFL schedule makers. Tampa Bay had one primetime game last year. They have five now. That's the most in franchise history, and it starts week one at the Saints. That could be the best game on the week one slate. Breeze, Brady, new division, new rivalry, the whole thing. Let's go. They're also week five at the Bears, week six against Green Bay, week 12 against Kansas City. Tom Brady, Patty Mahomes, albeit in different spots. And week 15 at Atlanta in a game that, could be very important to see who wins that division. You're supposed to have new stadiums debuting, right? I say this all with the caveat of, are they going to start on time? What's the world going to look like on September 7th? And everybody basically wondering if we're going to have football. And I know some people feel like putting out the schedule yesterday was false hope or why even do it. I completely disagree with that. I think the NFL is saying, look, the world's going to move on at some point. We are confident that by then we'll be able to play football. This is the National Football League we're talking about here. They can't say this, but I can. They've got billions of dollars. They can figure this out in terms of testing, in terms of getting their players ready for the season, sequestering if they have to, whatever it is. It's like, we're the freaking National Football League. We think we can do this. Now, a virus, a pandemic, the world situation is bigger than that. It's more important than that. Nobody's denying that. But you got to have a plan. You got to say, we're not just going to sit around and wait for this thing anymore. The president of the United States, governors across the, the United States, albeit some differ in their opinions on this, but we have heard from all entities like, we have to respect this. We have to learn to live with it, but we also have to have a plan to move on from it. And that's what the NFL's doing here. So it's not false hope. We're not all a bunch of sheep out there. We know that it might not start on time. But the feeling I got, the feeling of looking ahead, feeling like football's on the way, feeling like, hey, there's a world beyond the one I'm in right now. Can I have that without some wet blanket out there? saying that it's creating false hope and how dare the NFL do this? I mean, just, no. Just, here's the here's the hot cup of shut the hell up. Seriously. Well, I mean, what are we doing with that? We're not dopes. We know it might not happen. But it's good to feel that way. It's good to have a plan. What if they can start on time? 
Let me switch to college football here and, and not the world of when are they going to play college football and some of these discussions that we have, which are fair and I understand and, and people are, are curious, but we just don't have the answers on that. And I'm starting to get very frustrated, as interesting as they are, as curious as I am about scenarios. And it's just like I'm getting to the point when it's like, you know, can you just wake me when we have a plan? I understand what you're doing behind the scenes. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things you cannot even attempt to plan until executive, not executives, pardon me, governors, people at a high level of government lay out the plans, make the approvals, and the if you'll even have players on campus in the fall, there's just so much uncertainty about that. And I get the curiosity about wanting to get back out there and how. I'm just kind of at the point where, and this, I'm somebody that has to talk about this kind of stuff every day, but I'm just like, just tell me when you got a plan, all right? Because <laughs> all the hypotheticals are driving me crazy. And I, and I know I was kind of kicking back on people that were – critical of the NFL for putting out the schedule for false hope. That's where I can kind of see that discussion about false hope and, oh, this plan might work, but that's not a plan. And uh, the commissioner of the Big East today, Val Ackerman, was saying if our campuses aren't open, we will not have athletes coming back. And it's just, we want to know. We want answers. We want the truth. We can handle the truth, but there's just no way to come near it right now. So let's, let's talk about speculation in another way. So we talked to Stephen Bailey the other day on the show, and you can listen to that full interview in our podcast, of course, on iTunes by subscribing on ESPN Syracuse or uh, by going on ESPNSyracuse.com and looking in the audio vault. And there was a quarterback that Syracuse had a close eye on there. Now, when we talked to Stephen the other day, and the quarterback's name is Riley Leonard. He's a prospect from Alabama. Stephen was just starting to kind of look into him, wrote a great piece that's up on Syracuse.com now. But when we asked him the other day about him, he said something pretty intriguing, not only about this player, but about the quarterback room and kind of how it exists right now. Let's take a listen back to a little bit of that conversation. Uh, I, I can tell you this. Syracuse needs a quarterback. Syracuse has missed the last few years on their priority quarterback targets and kind of ended up with guys at the end of the cycle who they either didn't really want to take or, or, or kind of just check a couple of the boxes that ordinarily you'd like to have the majority of filled out. Uh, so this cycle, the, the kind of the guys that targeted early, um, a couple of them committed elsewhere. Uh, we saw a couple offers go out in March, kind of when the, the coronavirus pandemic started. Peter Costelli, Kai Milner, both committed elsewhere. Um, again, I, I would probably group those guys in with some of the some of the players Syracuse has taken, right? They sent out some 2021 offers in mid to late March that I kind of view as the guys in their unevaluated prospect pool who they really like, who they said, hey, we will take without an evaluation. Other schools did that too. Both of those quarterbacks are, are, are going to good programs. Uh, and now they've kind of moved down the list. Riley Leonard was a more recent offer. Um, from Alabama, two-sport guy, plays basketball. I saw him do an interview with a local outlet there, uh, leaning toward playing college football, but not totally decided. Um, seems like a bit of a dual-threat guy, but again, I still need to talk to him to get a full kind of feeling for how much Syracuse is prioritizing him, where exactly he stands on college football versus college basketball, and where the schools are kind of in on him. Now, it is clear that Syracuse is one of the first to the table, and like we talked about, 
if schools are going to sit and not offer, there's value in, in t- like, there's a reward to that risk. Like, the reward is getting someone who you might not normally have got because everyone would have seen them work out that summer and everyone would have lost. So, and that may still be happening, right? You've seen Nebraska do something they're offering, Riley. Clearly, other schools are ready to do that. Um, but there may be an opportunity to, to get a player at a time like this that would have been tougher tougher to pick up a commitment from in other cycles. So There you go. So that's Stephen Bailey. Uh, the full interview is up. Uh, we had a, a, a great discussion about recruiting and how the staff is recruiting, even through a pandemic right now, up at ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. And that was part of our show podcast that you get via iTunes as well. So he has talked to Leonard, and as a part of that story, Riley Leonard, now remember, with recruiting, take everything with a grain of salt. You know, we all understand how this process goes, but there's still some things that raise some eyebrows, including that Riley Leonard has said that, quote, they've told me I'm number one. They're number, you're my number one guy. Reminds me of Batman, right? You're my number one. Anyway. Checks all of Dino Baber's boxes. Tall kid, 6'4", 190 pounds now, but certainly could gain weight as he goes. Big arm, mobile, can move, wants to be in a dual threat. I'll just read you the quote. This is from Leonard. Quote, they love how I play. They love the dual threat that I can bring for them. The basketball tape helps show them that I'm pretty athletic. They think I'm a perfect fit for the offense. They're going to play me how, and he mentions his school, Fairhope does in our offense. And again, when you watch highlight films, keep in mind they are highlight films, right? They're spliced together highlights. I want to see like a raw game of how this kid plays. But you don't always have time to do that. Tempo, height, arm talent, can run with the football. They are in an offense, as Steven points out, that uses hand signals. Proven effective running out of spread sets. Now, stats-wise, first time as a full-time starter last fall, you're always kind of calculating the potential and what kind of player they'll grow into. But they got one year of tape on him as a starter. Threw for 1,231 yards, 102 for 172. He ran the ball 96 times for 499 yards and eight touchdowns. So according to him, you're my number one. Nebraska, Duke, also offered this week. Kansas and Kentucky have been in steady contact. There's a few other southern schools, Tulane, Southern Alabama, Southern Miss. Remember, don't blow off Kansas these days. Les Miles doing his thing at Kansas now. So, look, Steven said it best at the beginning of that clip. They need a quarterback. They need a splash only overlap for one year with a class of 2021 It's amazing to think about that. We're now starting to turn the page they play on Tommy football DeVille. at some point in what would be the next season, if that's in the fall, if that's in the spring, whatever it is, things could get weird there. But there'd only be a year of overlap. Syracuse needs the, the incumbent. They need the next Tommy DeVito. They need the next that guy. That's what the other schools do. That's when you are a legit blue blood. When not only do you have a quarterback, you got the next quarterback, and you got the guy after that, and sometimes you have too many quarterbacks, and you have a guy transfer and goes to, oh, I don't know, LSU, and becomes... The Heisman Trophy winning greatest single-season quarterback we've ever seen, right? I mean, the Joe Burrow story is kind of a unique one, but I'm not saying Syracuse has to be on the same level as LSU or Ohio State or Alabama. I mean, you're just not going to get there. But I do know that it felt big time when they had DeVito behind Eric Dungy, when they had the incumbent, when we got 
the flash of DeVito coming in for Dungy, winning games, showing the arm. There was, and it was not a media-generated thing, it was legit to discuss who the quarterback would be. Dungy actually ended up winning that argument, but it set up everything that DeVito could have been last year, and unfortunately it was not, and certainly wasn't all his fault. And he certainly got a chance to prove he can be that guy. But he checked all the boxes coming in. Big arm, regional prospect in that six-hour window. Went to the Elite 11 camp, the Trent Dilfer camp. Four-star guy, one of the most highly rated quarterbacks coming in. And you never know what these players are going to be once they arrive. And nobody's writing the full report yet. The jury is still out. But they need the next DeVito. They need the next that guy. I'm just not that impressed with who's in the quarterback room right now. And not only not impressed, but just don't know enough about. David Summers is not that guy. Dylan Markowitz, Jacoby and Morgan, we don't know enough about them. They're incoming prospects. There's some dual threat guys in there. There's some prospects and players that fit the description, but there's nobody that excites me. There's nobody that reaches the level of, whoa, who's this? Riley Leonard looks like he could be that guy. Now, what's interesting about Leonard, and and Stephen brought it up, dual threat on the football field, also a dual threat in that he plays basketball and has talent at basketball. That could defer him that way, though it seems after his conversation with Stephen and and some things that we've read up on him and, and looked at, that he's going to be a football guy, and his best offers are going to be from football. Now, I hate to play the comparison game. I do, because you want your own guy, if you will. You want your own quarterback coming in. You want your own player. But I couldn't help but notice, when I watched the film of Riley, and then you watch the film of a quarterback at North Dakota State right now, Now, why am I bringing up the quarterback at North Dakota State? When you start looking to the class of 2021 in terms of the players that will be discussed in the NFL draft, Trey Lance, the quarterback at North Dakota State, is going to get a lot of buzz. Mel Kuyper Jr. was really pumping him up. He threw 42 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And as you know, and if you don't, but most of you do, North Dakota State is an absolute factory championships, NFL players, Carson Wentz, of course, came out of there. But it's amazing what they have built up. It's a dynasty at that level. Watch Riley Leonard's film. Watch Trey Lance's film, which you see our lengthy quarterbacks doing the same thing, not in, in exact same circumstances. But if Leonard can grow into that type of player, be that type of player, be that versatile, a quarterback that runs because he can, because it's his strength, because it's part of the process and not because he's running for his life like DeVito was last year. Who knows? Leonard could end up being that guy. It's interesting how players are committing early. They're trying to figure this out. As we talked about with Steven the other day in the coronavirus situation, what's the landscape going to look like recruiting-wise? Make your commitments now. Get your guys. Syracuse has taken flyers and other schools for that matter, but... Syracuse, there was commits that we were talking to Stephen about that have not not met coaches in person, that did everything virtually. The prospect they got from Wisconsin, the tight end, he taught the Babers, his academic advisor, got a tour of the facilities in the school all sitting on his laptop at home. It's just what you have to do now. 
So I don't want to build up Riley Leonard to be the next DeVito, but it kind of feels like Syracuse is really in on him. They really want him. They're being aggressive with him. He fits, checks all the boxes. He's not as highly rated at this point. We'll give him another year to see how he moves up the recruiting rankings as a DeVito was. But there's a lot I like about that guy. And I was just watching this film and I'm like, man, this he reminds me of that kid I was watching the other day when Kuiper was talking about him. So if they can get him, you feel good about what's in the quarterback room now. Because if there is anything we know, you're going to see two quarterbacks on the field at Syracuse. If it wasn't just DeVito in for Dungy, remember Clayton Welch had to come in and save the day for DeVito in that last game of the season and, and had to come in in other spots when DeVito was hurt. You need two quarterbacks because you need two quarterbacks, but you need two quarterbacks around here because somebody inevitably gets hurt. Right now, Syracuse does not have that second guy. My opinion on this has not changed. We went into the offseason after last year ended and said they have got to shore up the quarterback room. Raise your hand if you feel like they've done that. The transfer market wasn't there. There were some players they looked at, some other recruits, Christian Valu and other players that we've discussed with Mike McAllister and Steven and other players that went to ended up at uh, Penn State. Guys that just didn't commit. They didn't get the impact second quarterback in the room. And Leonard, by the way, wouldn't even be until 2021. So that'd be down the road. But you want that assurance. 